Oregon Baptist Church exists to see God glorified, the church edified, and our community served by declaring and displaying the gospel. TV and radio, and we were invited. First of all, I would have studied Italian before I went to Italy. Now our mission said, no, don't worry about that. Just get out there and raise your sport. And we did. We worked hard. And, and uh, you know, the Lord permitted a very serious accident in the middle of that time and got our name before a lot of churches. And we did it. We, we raised our support in uh, a year. Hmm. Um, but we got stepped off the plane. And, wow, we didn't understand one word of Italian. <laughs> I mean, you can't live very long just saying spaghetti, pizza, you know. <laughs> um, so, I mean, all these people around there, Louie, 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 I think, boy, a lot of guys named Louie around here. Uh, but that just means he, you know. He. Uh, so we went to language school, and thankfully, we didn't have any children at the time. They called us the newlyweds, because it's just un unbelievable. In those times, now it's a lot different, but to think of a young couple that wouldn't have any children right away, you know, they, they couldn't imagine that. Um, so we were, we had no children at the time, and uh, we went, got to go to language school together. And we walk in this place, after our first morning, and we were a little late, as usual, we were a little late, and we go running in, and we sit down, and we looked around, and the whole classroom, they were Japanese. <laughs> we got in the wrong classroom. So as soon as the break came, we got out. But you walk in the classroom, and the, and the professor doesn't speak any English. He goes, la penna. And then he writes, la penna on the board. You write it down. And then la penna is blue. Well, we can figure that one out. <laughs> and then he starts teaching us that we had to do a dictation. He would talk and we would write. And we were doing pretty well, except we'd always get behind it. And we were working hard, but we'd always get behind. At the end of every line, we'd get behind. We couldn't keep up. So we said to our neighbors who were sitting next to us, they're from Yugoslavia, very brilliant languages. We said, what's going on here? Why do we always get behind? Well, the, the professor says. was saying, as he was talking, he would say, Lasciate una riga, and we'd be right, lasciate una riga. And they said, no, no, don't write that. All that means is leave a line. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you can imagine, we'd, we'd home home. We were living in a home where they had a television, which was very wonderful. They told us in linguistic school, before you buy bed, you buy a television because you're hearing the language. We'd go home and we'd, we'd watch one of these old movies. They only had movie night one, once a week, Monday night. And we'd get on with the whole movie and we'd say, what was that about? We had no idea. But little by little, we'd hear a word, you know, and um, so we'd start learning. That's how we learned Italian. And God was so good. In two years, uh, well, actually Rachel, because she's a brilliant one in the family, she got in a year and a half, but in two years we got a diploma to teach Italian. Um, and it was it was a blessing that we got to do it together. Couples that, like, the wife had to stay home with the kids. Um, we had some guys that they just were, they were so spiritual, they couldn't waste 
their time staying at home with children uh, so their wife could learn so they didn't last very long. Mm -hmm. You know, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> nobody's happy. Yeah. So, another thing, if I had it to do over again, and this is gonna sound funny coming from, from a missionary, I would not have turned down support. What, you turned down support? <laughs> well, at a certain point, we got a letter from our mission and said, congratulations, you have reached your 100% minimal support. Well, so great. So, right in that same week, I got two requests from two wonderful churches. They wanted to support us. They were so excited. The pastor was so excited. Hey, Fred, we're going to support you guys. I said, you know, we just got our all, all our support. Give it to somebody else. You couldn't believe it. Really? And uh, ends up, God knew more than we did because God knew that in a few years, I was going to have, have to come home and raise more support for TV and radio, but but I didn't get any more support for those churches that I turned down the other time. So, but that wasn't wise. So God, I've learned this. You know, if you see this in um, in the in the scriptures, where God leads uh, a person to give, He does it. We 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 accept, we receive, and just say thank you, Lord. You know. Yeah. Um, I would have worked harder and work in a relationship with other missionaries. We had, over the years, we have seen 20, uh, 20 missionaries, 10 couples come and go. And like, I, a lot of times, part of the problem was there was just not communication and between missionaries. And it's a pretty lonely life uh, when you're out there. And when we went to the field, um, we had, we were from New York State. We had a, a one couple from Virginia and one couple from North Carolina, West Virginia, North Carolina, whose motto was, the South will rise again. <laughs> and they did not like Yankees. We had, a rough, we had a rough time. We had a rough time. But God was, God was good. Um, Another thing I would have done, I would have worked hard on delegating responsibilities. Uh, my dad was a pastor, and I saw my dad. My dad did everything, from the Bolton to the grass to everything, mechanic, whatever. He did everything. And, uh, in fact, I never learned how to be a mechanic because I would, I would out there to stand in the cold, and he'd say, wrench, screwdriver, whatever. I could do, do that, but I never learned. But... Um, <coughs> I was much that same way. If I if I gave a person a job and they missed up, I wouldn't ask them again. Now that's when I should have come back and said, look, do it over, do it right, but you have to learn how to do it. And I didn't do it. Now I wish I had been more at doing delegating. Now my son, Jonathan, he's an incredible missionary and obviously much better prepared than I was. And he that's one of his things, getting the people to do things and we saw a huge growth in our church the year we went home for furlough and he came as a single guy and organized the church in his in our absence so I would have done that I think it would have been better if I delegated and let people mess up I mean it's their baby if they mess up hey sorry you know I wish I had spent more time doing things with my children 
you have to understand we're church planting in a place like Italy where already we're considered to be a cult to start with um, we, were, we started a radio station oh, first of all I started a TV program daily television ministry and then on top of that we started a radio station and uh, my poor wife I mean it's just a miracle 50 years of marriage wow because she had the brunt of raising the kids and she'll share a couple of the blessings she got that I didn't get but she did um, from that but um, I was so busy that the only thing I remember about my kids when they were small was driving them back and forth to music lessons which was good they're all musicians they're all wonderful musicians serving the Lord with the music but I wish I had done more with that I wish I had done a better job of taking a day off I didn't. I never took a day off. Now, if if you come visit me and said, Fred, could you show me around Rome? Oh, I'll be there. I'll love. We'll do that. I love it. Um, but uh, as far as Monday's my day off, my cell phone's turned off. Don't bother me. No. We didn't have cell phones back then. We didn't have cell phones. <laughs> but <laughs> I, my excuse was I was too busy. I mean, if you take a day off, that means start Tuesday. I got to catch up everything I didn't get on Monday. So. Uh, my son, though, he's one. Jonathan, he takes the day off. He's gone. He's out of there. And I'm sure that's very beneficial for him and for his family. I wish I'd have done that. Um, another thing I wish I'd done is have regular staff meetings. We had other missionaries time from time to time that helped us out. But I never took the time to organize time to get together and talk and pray and plan. And uh, I think that might have helped. Um, some of them to stick around a little bit longer if we had been more time together. Another thing I wish I'd done, um, I wish I had developed uh, an Italian cultural missions course for college students. Now, you, I'm sure you've heard Baptist Missions had a program, has a program called Ariba. And where college students from Christian schools could go to, first it was Peru, then they moved to the Ecuador. They would spend a semester there. They would study Spanish, Spanish culture, everything, and be involved in the ministry. And many of those college students came back, finished their training, and then went to South America as missionaries. Well, I just think if I'd done something like that, we'd have seen more missionaries in Italy. You will, you'll be shocked to know that our last non-Whitman family missionary to Italy was a couple that came in 1994 and they lasted one year. And otherwise, praise God for my kids. They all came back serving God. But I wish I had done more to get college students over there. We've, we've had groups, we have small groups over teams we've had a lot of that and some of them are very close to us uh, and appreciate the ministry but only one Tom Morgan is only, only one of them actually ever came back as a missionary Brad Powell, but that's yeah issue. yeah and that was things I wish I'd done better looking back on time uh, this time God and it went by so fast now you you folks know that too mm -hmm. my mom told me when I was like that she said you know every year will go by quicker. And that is so. <laughs> so 
Well, what did I do well? And we praise God. He did some wonderful things. Um, speaking of language, I began very early to read my Italian Bible for my devotions. Well, I was at a conference up in Germany, and there was a German Christian who spoke English wonderfully. And uh, I said, how do you get to speak English so well? He says, if you want to speak Italian well, throw away your English Bible. Well, I didn't throw it away. I pulled it off and dusted it off for furlough, which puts me in a tough spot when I mix the words up. But um, I started reading, you'll see a gospel calendar on the table. Um, but in fact, I didn't open it up to today's date. I don't think, did you? No. Anyways, every day a verse of scripture, we give out, this passage year we gave out 2,000 of them. Uh, and it's it a little verse of scripture, and on the back is a little explanation. And we give them out all over the place. Um, well, I started by just taking one verse and just trying to understand what in the world it was saying. But then I got better and better. And I, I've, I've read my, you see my Italian Bible over there. It's all marked up. And it's my second Bible. My first Bible, after 20 years, I lost. I was taking some TV tapes to a guy, and it was raining, and I, I just, we were out in a parking lot, and I set my Bible on top of the car, got the books out, the tapes out to give to him, got back in the car, took off. I got, that was on Saturday. I got up on Sunday to preach, and I said, I lost a friend that I've had for 20 years. And everybody said, wow, wow, who was that? I said, my Bible. You know, there's nothing like your Bible. I mean, any Bible is wonderful, but your Bible, the one you read, the one you write in. <clears throat> so I learned to read. I mean, I've probably read my Italian Bible through 40 times, at least 40 times in these years. Um, another thing we did, I saw this with my dad. Somebody knew my dad. He involved us kids in the ministry. When they would invite dad to go speak, we would go along and do special meetings. And lo and behold, coming home after the special meetings, if they gave dad, you know, $30 for coming to preach, he'd give us kids money for helping him out. And I said, wow, we were part of that ministry. And so what we did, we did that with our kids. From the time they could play two notes on their horns, practically, in our little church was, was no bigger than this. They'd be sitting up front playing the hymns. And our kids grew up knowing that the ministry was a family ministry. It wasn't dads. It wasn't moms. We were together in this. And I'm sure that had a lot to do with God, God eventually. We never thought it would happen. Couldn't imagine it would happen. But God bringing them all back to Italy. Now, one of our sons is a Christian businessman. And he's been at the church there. He's a, he's a deacon. He's the treasurer and leads the worship. And we're all in crisis right now because he has accepted a position in New York City. And they will actually have left Italy before we get back. Um, but it's been a joy to have the whole family serving God together. And it all started when they were small, learning to serve God. I tell them, you know, you can do sports, but, you know, music you can do all your life for the uh, we're, along that line, we did not allow sports. Oh, what time do I end, Pastor? 
Oh, you got half an hour? Not uh, yeah, ten forty-five. Yeah. Um, we did not allow sports to interfere or replace church activities, and this grieves my heart. I see it all over the place here in America, where families say to their son, "Well, do you want to go to church, or are you going to go play soccer?" <laughs> Duh. <laughs> and well, our kids they want to play soccer. Okay, you can play soccer. All week they go to do the workouts. So Sunday we got a game. Well, you're not going to the game. You come to church. And we was pretty strong discussions there with these kids. But they knew whatever they were good, it wasn't going to take the place of church. And when kids grow up knowing that church is optional, if it's optional as a kid, as an adult, it's not even going to be on the table. And I grieve for Christian families that don't get that one right. Um, another thing we sacrificed for so our kids could study music. You know, musical instruments are costly. Yeah. Music is, is costly. But we just said to our kids, you study the music because you can use that all your life for the Lord. Here I am, 73, still playing trumpet. And I mean, praise God. Well, we spent, we bought instruments. Our first son, Jonathan, started, he wanted to do French horn. French horns are expensive. So, I, but I found one online, uh, well, the music store actually back then, um, Chinese made, $300. Figured we didn't want to waste money if he didn't, if he could make it as a French hornist. So he bought this instrument. He did, worked hard, got sound out of it. His first year at music conservatory, passed exam to go ahead. His teacher said, you know, Mr. Whitman, if Jonathan had an instrument, he could be a lot better. And we did. We moved up. And he is a very excellent. All our kids are very excellent musicians. But we spent money buying instruments for them. And we had, we had, a, we had a believer, an elderly believer in one of our churches, in our home church at the time, who gave us cash for our children. Well, we there's a church, my dad's church was doing a bond program right then. We bought bonds. So in 15 years, those things came due and they were worth a lot of money. So it helped us immensely in uh, moving up, getting good instruments for the kids. And then I bought my daughter's flute. Can you imagine a flute costs more than a French horn? <laughs> Believe me, <coughs> incredible. But the chief serves the Lord with it all the time now. You have a grandson. Um, another thing we did, we would take year-long furloughs so that our kids could get to know their grandparents. And I was uh, chatting this morning. You know, one of the unsung heroes in missions are the parents and grandparents of missionaries. Yes. To, to see those missionary kids, to see those grandkids so far away, you never see them, you know. But, uh, so we came home for a year. That brought havoc on our ministry. People who would take our place well-meaning or not, um, many times we went back to start all over, really. The first time we went back to growth was when our son Jonathan was there as a single intern for a year. Anyways, we did that for our kids. And then they, they got to go to Christian school. I remember the look on their face. They came home and they said, Dad, our teacher's a Christian. <laughs> they couldn't even believe that because... 
in the Catholic, you know, the schools are not Catholic, they're public, but everybody's Catholic. And they teach Catholic doctrine in the schools. Um, so they've grown up with some tough situations there. Um, another thing, we never discuss church problems with our kids. I learned that from my dad and mom, too. He was in the ministry for 53 years. I mean, they went through some tough times. But they never discussed it in front of the kids. And I think there's no point in, in children sitting at the table hearing dad roast the preacher or, or vice versa. No. And so they grew up with a very positive outlook on the ministry and on the church. Um, we shared financial needs with our kids. Um, you know, every night we would pray with them. Most of the time it was Rachel because I was out visiting. But before they went to bed, um, and we would share needs. We, one time we were six of us. Now Elizabeth was a baby on her mom's lap in the front seat in a Fiat 500. Now if you know a Fiat 500, you can put almost put four of them in, in this room. Yeah. Uh, and we just You'll see one on the presentation. With the oh yeah, Elizabeth there'll be one on the presentation. Elizabeth's putting her head out. But we needed this vehicle. And uh, we prayed about it. Well, a pastor friend visited us. He came back, he wrote out everybody. I know he wrote you too, and you probably sent money to help, to have money. Well, we came up $5,000 short. And uh, so I went to the bank to get the rest of the money. Well, a bank where I'd been for like 20 some years, a client. And they said, well, now where's your income coming from? I said, well, um, we have churches in America that have pledged to support it. And they send money every month. They said, do you have a contract? I said, no. Well, how do you know next month it's going to come? Well, it does. <laughs> it just always comes. Well, they didn't. They wouldn't give me that money. They wouldn't give me $5,000. So I went home, a little discouraged. We prayed about it. Lo and behold, I get, get a, a letter or phone call from the mission. And they said, you have just, a check for $5,000 has just come in to help you with your car fund. And praise the Lord, I went in that bank and cashed that check. got to see how God answers prayer. And one year, this is just incredible. This is incredible. Oh, no, you're okay. The kids start, and they were still, Jonathan might have been 10, they were small. So they started praying every night. Lord, please make it snow on Christmas. <laughs> we have, like, in Italy, where we have one or two snowfalls in a, a year, maybe usually about that much. We love it. Yeah. Um, and I want to say, kids, don't bother God with something like this. But I didn't. They were so earnest. They were so sincere. And in November, they started praying this prayer every night. Would you believe we got up Christmas morning totally covered with snow? <laughs> totally. I mean, I had several inches of snow. And our kids just learned, you know, God does care. And he does answer prayer. Even something that we might think is not that important, but he does answer prayer. Um, we took our tr Christmas money. We get Christmas gifts. I'm sure we got some from you too. And we would take this money and we would buy a appliance or something we need for the house. Well then, Jonathan left for college, and he didn't come home, he couldn't come home for Christmas, he didn't come home for Easter, and he had a really bitter experience, 
And so we said, well, this is crazy. And then jo Jeremy left for college, and Josh left for college, and Elizabeth left for college. So what we would do, when the Christmas money would come, we would save that, and we would buy our, help our kids buy their tickets to come home on Christmas vacation, which lasted like a month and a half, because where do you stay? They close the dorms. You can't stay on campus. And then summer as well. So the kids, they would go for college, but it was like they never really unplugged from the ministry because they got back from college and they were back doing what they've been doing before. Music, leading worship, uh, teaching, whatever. So that was a great, great investment. And then the last thing uh, I thought about, uh, we organized an Italian Christian history tour. And I know you've heard about this before. When I was in college, one of my most esteemed profs, Dr. Rembert Carter, um, and I, after we, we went to the mission field, we began praying about how can we get American Christians to see the ministry in Italy. And after about 20 years, we came up with an idea. We called it the Italian Christian History Tour. And uh, for about 12, the first one was 14 days, four, 12 days, we show people Rome, Perugia. Uh, we, this year we go to Narnia, which is where C.S. Lewis got Narnia from. Um, Florence, Pisa, Tower of Pisa. The Waldensian Valley, you know, Italy had a Protestant movement 400 years before Martin Luther. They all, all got wiped out by the Catholic Church. But anyways, we go see where all that happened. And then we go to Trent, where the Council of Trent was held where the Catholic Church came down on Martin Luther and Reformed Doctrine. And then we go over to Venice, and all this with a Christian perspective. And then we get down to Pompeii and see the debauchery of that wicked city that God destroyed uh, in 79 AD. Um, so we started doing that. And the first tour was in 1997 or 1998. Dr. Carter led it. By the next tour, he was feeling ill and couldn't come. And by the third one, he was already with the Lord. Hmm. Now, I've got some papers about it. We'll be doing our seventh one in October 2022. Uh, so you pray about that. If The thing that's excited us the most, and why I say it was really worth our effort, you know, we're showing people the, the Colosseum, the catacombs, the Vatican, St. Peter's, everything you can imagine, three days in Rome. And we get done with this whole tour, and I say, what was the most exciting thing you saw? And they say, your church. Because we spend a weekend in our church, a Sunday with our, worshiping with Italian believers. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful time of fellowship. So we praise God for that. Um, Rachel, I'd like you to talk about your role as a mom, missionary mom, and the joys that you have had along the way. I thank the Lord for this woman. She stuck with me all this time. And we had some pretty rough times, really, in the ministry. Well, first of all, um, when I had my first date with Fred, he told me that if I wasn't interested in being a missionary, that we wouldn't go out again. <laughs> I have married a very decisive man, which scared me to death. The second date that we ended up going out, because I said I was open to that, 
The second date, he told me that I was the one to go. He knew that I was the one to go to the mission field with them. Well, I ran for about a year because I'm very indecisive. I could not decide whether I was going to marry that man or not. And, uh, but thank God that uh, he led us together. Uh, when we went to Italy, um, I'm a little bit younger, so my ticket was uh, a youth ticket, and I actually had a return ticket that cost less than his one way. So um, it was very uh, more difficult, more difficult than I could have imagined. Um, they told us that Italian was a very simple language, very easy. Uh, no language is easy. And when you have uh, 20 conjugations and you have to memorize when they have five pasts, a past that's way past, a past that's... A little past. A, a, a progressive past. Just past, all kinds of past. And of course the Bible past that we were to use if you're telling I you know I was the Sunday school teacher for years was mostly my children and a couple others but all had to be done in passato remoto which was the past 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 and unless it was something that was moving along and then that was the imperfetto that was not easy and I I'm a little New Yorker from a little country place called West Clarksville I was born in Cuba, New York, which is on the 86 route when you're going over there on 86. I, I, I called from college and cried every time I talked to my mother, you know, because <laughs> I was four hours away, you know. So it was very hard, but you know what? When you are sure, and of this I was sure, that God had called me, and not just my husband, to be a missionary, um, never crossed my mind. I cried for the first three months. I did. Every time I see my kids, my uh, sister's children and my parents' pictures, Fred finally took them away. He said, when you can look at them and I cry. <laughs> you know, pray for your missionaries when they first go. It's not easy. But never crossed my mind to use that ticket and go home. Give up. You threatened me once. a couple times. No. I <laughs> He has a different memory. <laughs> That's why he wrote it in the book, which I have to admit I have not read because I didn't want to fight about it because he remembered things differently. But um, I will read the last one because there's, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> it's She's going to read this edition because there's a page about her parents. No, that, that didn't change anything. But praise God, he kept us there. And the preciousness of what my ministry has been, uh, working with women and children, uh, the families that began coming were, were children that basically had never been in church. So um, I got to teach them. I remember uh, t that I was, the Italian children are not very orderly. They're not disciplined. Uh, they let them pretty much rule, and it's gotten worse, as you can imagine, with, with modern times. Uh, um, I tried to teach them to say, per favore, please, and uh, grazie, thank you. And one of the little girls said, 
that's not Italian. <laughs> no, that's just polite. <laughs> but but I, I got to teach children that never interrupted me to finish the story because they didn't know anything about the Bible. I got to teach women that had never read the Bible and as you, you saw them come to the light of understanding uh, to find out that Jesus didn't have to be re-sacrificed or re-sacrificed on that altar in their church. They, they, and, and when they would start seeing it in the Bible, they would, you know, when you tell them that really there's no place in the Bible that tells you to baptize and sprinkle a baby to wash away their original sin, and you show them in the Bible, and they were ready to accept that. I, ha I think I had, uh, if I had to teach in American church, I think I would find it hard because it was so precious to be able to reveal these truths and just see them, grasp them, and, and be saved and grow. Um, you know, one of our jobs is we need to uh, work ourselves out of a job, you know, as a missionary, and um, I trained a lady. I started preparing my Bible studies together with her. And then eventually I'd say, Donatella, would you share this part, what we talked about? And, and at first uh, she asked me not to ask her that. She said, when I go to share, I feel prideful. And I feel like, and, and she did. She didn't share well at all. So, but she matured in the Lord, and she took over my my uh, teaching of the the Bible study, and just just flourished. And she's still flourishing today. Took her husband 23 years to come to the Lord, even though he came to church for probably 20 of those at least, practically from the beginning. But the, there's um, some people think being a missionary is is a huge sacrifice, but we are also very privileged. Uh, our church is made up of first-generation Christians. And because Fred was so involved at the beginning, most of the time we didn't have co-workers. The only time would be when a missionary would come through for la or come to the field to do language school. So they couldn't be real involved, but Fred was in the local band. Fred did judo so he could meet men. Um, they started a soccer out. He was gone a lot. So I had the privilege of being the one uh, to share Christ with my children at night, particularly, or a answer their questions. And just because you're raised in the mission field doesn't mean that you're a Christian. And, but praise God, each one of my children, little by little, God brought them to faith. And, um, then you wonder, well, where on earth? I mean, we really didn't have a youth group. It was basically my children, few others in those first. Well, Jonathan was the f in the first baptism, and that was after 10 years. That's a, a, it just, uh, we never imagined that we would have to sow the seed for so long before people began to be mm -hmm. saved. Um, but our children got saved fairly young. Actually, Jonathan got saved very young, and I really didn't want him to pray to be saved because I thought there's no way. But uh, he kept asking me that, that time uh, when I was alone with him, 
and I got all done presenting the gospel and I because I was saved, I actually got saved at Bible college because supposedly I was saved as a young child and got baptized only with no train, no teaching whatsoever. I got baptized because my sister was getting baptized, who's today an agnostic. And so I didn't want Jonathan to pray too young. He was four. What can a four-year-old understand about the gospel? And finally he goes, well, Mom, I can't do that now. Well, do you, you know, I go back over, do you really understand? And, and he prayed to be saved, and, and, uh, and I really saw him change his little prayers, you know, bless mommy and daddy, and change. He was talking to God. And uh, so I, 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 each of the, the children, none of them quite that young, but they all came to the Lord. And then I, had, then I wondered, where will they find a mate? We live in Italy. We're very... Small amount of time in America, no believers in their school. So um, we prayed, what God, and God provided a godly mate for each of my children. Only God can do that. So many parents say, "Well, you know, there's a, there's not they 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 really like this person. They're not a believer, but they they come to church with them, and we." felt that scripture teaches that you are not to be unequally yoked. And, and guess what? When you get emotionally involved with a person, it's very hard to take that stand later and say, okay, uh, I won't marry you because you're not a believer. And if they make a profession of faith, it's hard to tell if they really did it for true believing. So we, we had that, that conviction, and God provided each of our children. Our businessman's son married the only young girl in the youth group. <laughs> and Jonathan uh, got through college, most of a seminary really, before he met Melody. And he was so afraid of marrying an American girl. He said, I said, Jonathan, I thought you would date at college. He said, oh, those American girls, they're just, <laughs> they're just not, you know, they're, they're really not interested in serving the Lord. And, and he was afraid because he'd seen many couples leave because mom was not happy. The American mom, even some of them that, that had had uh, husbands that had, were MKs in their place. Mm -hmm. So he was very nervous about it. But uh, Melody, when she visited, and they were really going to come to the decision were they going to marry or not, uh, after three weeks, he wasn't sure. Jonathan's indecisiveness from mom, he's very indecisive about something. And, and he wasn't sure. So <clears throat> Melody asked Mrs. Whitman, and I said, that's my mother-in-law, <laughs> I'm Rachel. But she said, could we go out for coffee before I fly out tomorrow? And I said, yes. And so over coffee, she said, could, could I come as a missionary to Italy if things don't work out between Jonathan and I? I said, Jonathan, she's a keeper. <laughs> and, and praise God, he led them together. And, and God provided. Uh, our, our children love the Lord. Their mates love the Lord. You know, you just don't know. But whoever dreamed that God would call them all back to Italy? And I have to admit that probably our Italian, uh, our kids might be more Italian than American. Although in their home, they have chosen to speak English as we did. That's the only place their children will learn English. 
and they and we do not have Bible colleges in, in Italy. We have an academy where men can, uh, in our church, uh, study homiletics and different things, but uh, we don't have a place that we would uh, be willing to send our children. So they all did Bible college in the States. Uh, but praise God, uh, he did call them back and he's used them mightily. I say they're much better missionaries than us. Uh, Jonathan preaches and he, when he, he uses his examples, he did all five years of, of uh, high school in, in uh, Italy and his examples are things that the Italians can really relate to because it's from, from the Italian culture. So praise God. Um, I don't know if you maybe have some questions for either of us. Anybody have a question? I have a couple things I want to say to you. Anybody oh, have a question? Well, I'll let you say it. Thank you. Yeah, we both went to Italy. Pardon we me? Both, we both went to Italy, went to Venice. The only thing I remember is that you couldn't count the money. You hold your hand out, and as long as you hold it, they put enough money in there. Because you couldn't count it, and you didn't know how much you was getting by. Yeah. So you just get yeah. Yeah. Back then, it was probably lira, and that was... That was 600, yeah. 600 lira to the dollar? Yeah. Now we have a coin. Well, there, I no, it didn't put them out. I couldn't get them out. A coin this, this big is worth two and a half dollars. Mm. Yeah. We um, might even have some of those. I, don't, we, I still have some of the money yeah. I brought yeah. back from, from yeah. there. And we had the gondola all day long for my wife and my daughter for a pack of cigarettes. He wrote us all day long for a pack of cigarettes. Okay. They cost me 50 cents a carton. Yeah. <laughs> that would not happen today. Yeah, oh, it would not happen now, would it? No. When we do our, on our tour, we always take a gondola ride and we get uh, three, three couples in each gondola for about $25 per couple. So, yeah, per couple. Per couple. Um, I want to just mention, we, we, on December 31st, will become emeritus. And I don't know what that means, because there's an emeritus pope, so it must be pretty good, you know. <laughs> uh, anyways, we will, we will not retire. We are going to retread. Uh, we're going to be ministering um, in Italy, living there working the prison as soon as the COVID lets us get back in and hospital visitation. Preaching when uh, the guys that they call me up at 10 o'clock at night and say, Dad, can you preach? God, I got a sore throat here or whatever. But we'll be part involved in the ministry there. Uh, and coming back, we have to come back again next summer for a couple months at least to make up some more churches that we lost this year. Um, so we will be over there in that capacity. now. Uh, many churches have already dropped our support. Once I turned 70, you know, uh, they said, well, you got Social Security. Well, in Italy, uh, first of all, the cost of living is 30% above Washington, D.C., which is the most expensive place to live in America. So it's very expensive to live there. We want to live there. We have a number of churches who have continued our continuing support. Um, our basic concern is to be able to have money to continue the TV ministry. Our local church is not able to do that. They pay everything. We have our own bill, seen the slides. We have our own bill and everything's great, but they don't have the extra money to be able to do the TV. So we're praying that God will continue to support uh, the ministry so that we can still do that. I mean, we're the only thing of its kind as a program like that of the gospel every day in Italy. Um, 
So um, we just appreciate you folk, and if God should lead you to continue to be a part of our ministry, we would be appreciative of that. Um, anything else? About the t uh, live streaming of the... Oh, yeah, well, exciting opportunity. Because of COVID, um, we finally got organized to be streaming our, our service online. Uh, well, because we're streaming now, we'll keep streaming because we're reaching out to people who are a long ways away from our church that can hear the word. Um, even though for some of our people, you know, it's still kind of nice to sit at home and drink your coffee in your pajamas and go to church, but we like to come, to come out. You know. But anyways, because of that, there's a local TV station that I'm on already that we are looking at possibility of them airing our worship service live on TV. So... Um, yeah, Sunday morning, the only thing you can get is the Pope or... Uh, yeah, or, right. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. Nobody else is doing that. Uh, so, pray about that with us. And, uh, so this is our 10th furlough. Uh, part B right now, next year's Part C. Um, and so we're looking at living in Italy. We will come back to the States occasionally, and we'll, maybe we'll have an opportunity to come back and visit you sometime but appreciate your prayers along that line now time is up but we're going to be here all day we're going to be here for dinner this afternoon so any questions you come up with you know feel free anyone anything else you want to ask oh uh, i will just tell you right now uh, i'll mention it in service to it but about the book um we just had a new edition done updated with pictures and a couple stories about my parents and our family heritage um, and it's available for free will gift. We're not selling them, but if it, we have to, if you have to, I don't have any money, but I'd like a book, we'll just take the book. Yeah, it's no problem. So, okay, Pastor, time's up. Yeah, time's up. Um, yeah, well, I'll close in prayer and then we'll, we'll head yeah. into the, the sanctuary. Uh, Darrenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this brother and sister and their faithfulness. And, and we know that this is a difficult field that led so many to, to leave after you know, whatever difficulty came up, we praise the Lord that they're still there and that they're going to continue to be there serving this church and reaching out this community that so desperately needs to hear the gospel of grace, the true gospel of the Bible, not the gospel of man, not the gospel of a false religion, but Lord, we praise you that, that the solid teaching in the word is going forward, that people are being discipled. Your church is growing, even even though it feels like it should grow faster, Lord, you are being glorified as faithful service is being done. And your spirit is opening eyes to see and letting people hear for the first time your holy word. So we pray that, that the mission continues and we thank you in the meantime that we get to have fellowship with this brother and sister. We pray that you bless the service to come in about 15 minutes and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hi, Taylor Callen, pastor of Oregon Baptist Church. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon. I pray that you are more encouraged and love Jesus and the gospel more after hearing the sermon than when you first sat down to listen to it. Know that, that our heart at this church is that this sermon would be an encouragement to you and would be a useful resource, but would in no way replace the pastor that God has called to shepherd you or the church that you're called to be a member of. With that being said, if you want more information about our church or want to hear more sermons, go to horicanbaptist.com.